do you have any experience with mental health issues? Depression and anxiety. So mainly depression and anxiety. I do. I, I struggle with both, actually. I have definitely suffered uh, from depression for a lot of my life, especially my younger years, just from past trauma that I couldn't heal. I went through a really bad breakup, and then I went through, I slipped into a depression that lasted a good six to eight months, and I didn't think I would ever come out of it. I'd been diagnosed bipolar. Uh, at first, they thought it was chronic depression because uh, I was cripplingly depressed half the time, but the other time, I felt great. I wasn't having any fun. It felt like I was in a little room with a window where I could see all my friends hanging out outside of the window, and they're like, come out, hang out with us. I'm like, I can't, I'm in this room with no door and I can like see you guys, but it sucks. It's low interest in socializing, eating, sleeping a lot, highly emotional, you know, crying, not being engaged in anything, you know, kind of feeling like there was this dark cloud kind of like springing over you. Not being able to sleep and then not and then being up at six and then feeling like I have nothing to do. There was nothing I could find comfort in. I just felt so short of breath. Like I just felt like there was a hand on my throat at all times. Like a claustrophobic feeling. My chest gets really tight and then it's just hard for me to breathe. I need to sit down definitely. I got on meds when I was 19. That's a long time ago. It wasn't as common. So I didn't know that many people on meds. So I was really scared when I first got on them. Yeah, I mean, I was scared before getting on meds that it would destroy my sex life. It would destroy my art. It would make me like a numb, shut down zombie who like was a gray corporate drone who couldn't feel feelings. And like the total opposite happened. Really, it brought me back to who I feel I really am. I mean, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Just the stigma around it is like, you take them and then you got no emotion. And you're just a zombie walking around and you failed at life. That's why you have to take antidepressants. But uh, that's very far from the truth. People who are anti-meds who think that you can do diet and lifestyle hacks to improve your depression. I was a spin teacher. I was a yoga teacher. I was vegan. I was vegetarian. I was gluten-free. I did all the things and I was the most fit, unhappy, depressed person you've ever met. <laughs> but my issue with that is like a person who doesn't have clinical depression really doesn't need to tell me what I should be doing with my mental health. Welcome to the Doxa Dialogue. My name is David Rudy. I'm the pastor at Doxa Church, and this is a podcast about living life on mission for the glory of God. Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety, but our message is not what you just heard. It's not to medicate to solve your anxiety or depression problems. It's also not to seek therapy and pursue natural organic supplements to improve your mental health. But what you just heard in the opening two minutes is a very strong message of hope for thousands upon thousands of hurting people. The only problem is it's a message of hope without Jesus Christ. And it's devoid of the spiritual nature of fear and anxiety, which are all related to depression. Now, I want to be very clear as we step into this nuanced, sensitive issue. We aren't against medication in every situation. Chemical Im imbalances are a real issue in a fallen world. We are also not opposed to natural solutions to physical problems. So we're going to be talking about that. We will get to that. But as a Christian who knows my creator— and has the eternal word of God that can bring a peace that surpasses understanding, do I believe we have a better answer than spin classes, yoga meditation, and pills for the rest of your life? Or treating your therapist like a dentist? Can the word of God provide a better answer? And the answer is a resounding yes, it can. 
So Ben and Amanda, welcome to the table. Hello. Good to be back. Yeah, how y'all doing tonight? Doing good. Yes, doing, doing super great. The weather here in the south has been a little weird. We'll make <laughs> yes. up his mind if we're going warm route or we're staying cold. <laughs> We've uh, had our hammock get rained on pretty oh, heavily. Wow. I had yeah. out there for one day. But <laughs> such is life. Yeah. <laughs> one, one day we enjoyed it. Now it's trying to just wait for a sunny day to get back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's just good to have y'all back at the table. Philippians 4, verse 7, we read in the Word of God, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I know, Ben, you're going to be talking about this verse as well. I think it's going to be really good to have Amanda's voice, as always, as you've mentioned, you're going to be talking about like you've, you've experienced anxiety probably a lot more than I have. So we're all going to be bouncing around in different texts, but specifically in this Philippians 4 passage, Paul is confronting anxiety and stress head on and I know many of our listeners are weary from battling doubts and fears and unknowns I I know so many people in our church have anxiety and I've been able to even talk to a couple people in our church about about their anxiety as I was preparing for this podcast but it will wear you down and fear eats away at our joy it debilitates us holds us back from the mission and the purpose that God has created for us So I don't need to quote to you a bunch of stats uh, to prove to you that anxiety is an epidemic in our culture. I think we all know this, right? I mean, we're pretty confident. We can feel it all around us. And I do want to reiterate up front, you know, because we live in a fallen world, we all still deal with the effects of the fall in different ways. There are psychophysical conditions that make extreme anxiety and panic attacks a real-life problem. And in these extreme cases where there, where there are chemical imbalances and the physical and spiritual you know, are interdependent in ways that we can't fully understand. Physical things and spiritual things are connected. So while acknowledging that, and we're going to talk a little bit at the end about you know, when would you take medication you know we do want to actually address that not as in-depth as the biblical view on this but we're going to definitely touch on this uh i've researched this topic quite a bit in the last couple weeks and i am still the more i look at this absolutely and i'll just be honest i'm just appalled at how commonplace meds are given as the answer Mm. and even anxiety as a whole and i we do approach this with sensitivity so yeah and compassion truly because i've mm-hmm. struggled in recent years more than i anticipated mm-hmm. um, and mm-hmm. all of us have someone in our lives and you know amanda's going to even speak into that mm-hmm. a little bit but <clears throat> i think even i've seen in the christian world where it's accepted it's like mm-hmm. this is just who i am i struggle with anxiety yeah, yeah like just the medication it. it's just yeah, you're right. It's it's out there. It is prevalent. But as far as even in the Christian community, we're just accepting it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Or I guess what it is not. Mm-hmm. Yes. It even goes as far, and this is something I just want to touch on, because, I mean, this one really honestly makes my blood boil, but, like, kids on ADHD meds, you know, it was already skyrocketing through the roof over the last, like, decade. And ever since the lockdowns have happened and there's distance learning everywhere with kids, it's even more out of control, like through the roof out of control. 
And you're like, well, wow, what, what is going through people's minds that they think that the kids are the problem? Like, have you ever thought if you have to, like, medicate all these kids to stare yeah. in front of a computer, like, yeah, maybe yeah. the method of the maybe educational the system yeah. is is the problem. Yeah. So that being said, I mean, I think if you can't at least see that this is a problem, mm-hmm. just do a little research on that. I mean, we could spend a whole other podcast on and, that you point. Know, based on that, what you just said about kids, too. Yeah. So I recently heard that if you took a, a 15-year-old in 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. their levels of anxiety match an actual like psych patient from the 1950s that would be like essentially institutionalized. Wow. The same level as uh, as far as anxiety goes. That's crazy. Yeah. 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 There are things that we are doing that we need to all identify that yeah. are causing kids to to yeah, to deal with this. Yeah. So we should all be aware that the the regular system of the American way is not really helpful yeah. helping these kids exactly. right now in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's a podcast for another day. Uh <laughs> When do I need to go further than reading my Bible and listening to worship music? If I can't trust the doctor who hands this stuff out like candy, how can I know what to do when something is wrong? You know, how does it, how do I know I need to take another step beyond just growing in my relationship with Jesus? Mm-hmm. I would say that, and I mean, I think Amanda's going to touch on this a little bit too, because I preached a sermon on, on this a while back, mm-hmm. back when we were in, in a series in Philippians. But I talk about how anxiety is a sin to be repented of, not a condition to be managed. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go right to that text because, you know, that, that quote wasn't original with me. I, I heard that from a, a pastor. I can't remember who it was. He quoted something very similar to that. might have been not mm-hmm. been the exact quote. But let's go to Philippians 4. You know, ver- again, verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything it's pretty clear pretty straightforward right do not be anxious about anything so that's a direct command and is that paul just talking to a church in a bygone era that doesn't understand our complex problems well i would say like what we are looking at with anxiety might be a little different you know there's some there's some factors here but let's get back to what the biblical definition of anxiety is because i think that's going to really help us Mm. deal with all the things that we have right now yeah, I actually think that when you uh, you nailed it, like we have to get back to the Bible, especially as Christians. This is our guiding light. This is our reference point. Yeah, we believe in God's word, and so letting letting the Bible, letting Scripture define what we're talking about, I think is really helpful. And even in that verse you just read, mm-hmm. anxious and nothing, um, the word anxious there um, is it comes from the Greek word merimnao. So it literally means if we we're to boil this down to its root. Uh, foundation, it would be to be drawn in different directions. Mm-hmm. And honestly, my head kind of spins when we start talking about, you know, if you, you just give us the task, hey, let's talk about anxiety. Or let's have a podcast mm-hmm. on anxiety. It's like, oh my goodness, what are we talking about here? Right. <laughs> but that really helped me understand exactly what we're dealing with here when I realized it's to be torn in two different directions, be drawn in different uh, directions to be, and that explains mm-hmm. so much of people. Like deep inside, they feel this. Uh, unsettledness, you know, even mm-hmm. you see it on, there's a, a pretty uh, substantial Facebook post going around that kind of explains anxiety or at least gives us an illustration of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that, like, all right, did I, I hear I'm going to the party, but wait a minute, did I lock the door? I'm mm-hmm. torn, you know, mm-hmm. I, uh, did I say too much? Did I not say, it, you know, enough? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, did it's I spend bedtime, it? but I can't stop thinking about the things I need to do during the day. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. holidays roll around. Did I get? Did I spend the right amount of money yeah. for my for my family yeah. members <laughs> or not? You know, it's just everywhere you go, and it's, you're being torn in two different directions. So if that's our starting point, I think that will help yeah. our, our conversation as we discuss. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is what we're talking about, guys. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. being torn. Because that's the root of it all. Absolutely. And, I mean, this isn't just Paul's idea. I mean, obviously, if Paul just mentioned it once in the Bible, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that that would be enough. Mm-hmm. But Jesus says the same thing in Matthew 6, 25, where he says, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will drink, what you will wear. And for the next 10 verses, he points out how all of your needs will be taken care of. So we're talking foundational here, stripping everything back at the root of anxiety is really this lack of trust and reliance upon the goodness of God to meet our needs and to fix problems. Like we're going to be okay. And Jesus ends that all by saying, do not be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. <laughs> Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Hey, you're going to have problems tomorrow, all right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that right now. Mm-hmm. Just live in the moment right now. So the first point that I want to glean from this passage is, number one, to trust him to provide all your needs. Mm-hmm. And don't worry about the future. Take it one day at a time. He loves you. He knows what you need. And hand the future over to him. I mean, it's mm-hmm. in his hands anyway. But in Philippians 4, because we're going to go there, there are actually some very specific solutions given to not just cope with it, but to actually get victory over it. So we're not going to get a list of suggestions to help us survive when anxiety hits. This passage is not reactionary. This passage turns the war of stress and anxiety on its head. The God of peace is bigger than the problem Mm -hmm. that is stealing your peace. Mm So Mm -hmm. here are four proactive steps for everyone facing anxiety. And then from there, we'll talk about this other side with medication, and then we'll eventually get to Ben and Amanda as well. But please keep chiming in because this is great (laughs) stuff. So first thing that we see from this passage in Philippians 4, in verses 2 and 3, are strive for unity. And I want to read verses 2 and 3 for you guys. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche, did I get those right? Is that okay? It's every every Odorous time. And stinky. <laughs> <laughs> to quote my dad. <laughs> you die and stinky. Yeah, you. I I I love every every nickname we give those two ladies. Uh, can't wait to meet them one day. Yep. <laughs> I entreat you to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. So. I love talking about this passage. I mean, we preached on this like, this is the first series we ever had for Doxa Church. But Yodia and Siddiqui, uh, Yodorus and, and Stinky, yeah, they're in a fight, all right? They're in a fight. There's a division, and there's posturing, there's rallying for, for who's going to be on my side, feelings are hurt. And we don't have any specifics on this. But if you just deduct what we can from the situation, are these ladies leaders in the church? Yes or no? Yes. Sounds sounds like in some capacity they labored side by side with Paul and Clement, fellow work. Yeah, okay. So they've they've been there from the beginning. Yeah, they're well respected. Have to at least be well respected. This you could even go and speculate as far as like maybe they were with Lydia, like one of the one of the ladies who was the first converts in Philippi. Mm -hmm. Who knows? But uh, next question: Do we know what this fight is about? No, no, not at all. 
No details about that. Paul does not even dignify their dispute with a casual like, hey, agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he doesn't even say, you both have a point, but I'm not going to take a side. He takes a completely different side altogether. He says, you're both wrong because you have dug in where you don't need to dig in. Yep. Lay aside this disagreement and what does he say? Agree in the Lord, all right? Uh, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I love that Paul doesn't even talk about the issue. And I mean, to me, when we're talking about anxiety, this is a good starting point to realize like some of the stuff that we're worried about, yeah. I don't want to minimize this. I don't want to sound callous here, but like some of this stuff, do we even need to spend as much time worrying about it? You know, mm-hmm. like, is it is it really yeah. affecting the gospel? So I looked up, because we just did a podcast on fear. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I was looking at the difference between fear and anxiety, and mm-hmm. fear is a real threat, whereas anxiety is a perceived threat. Hmm. So, you know, talking about do we even need to have, I mean, if anxiety is a perceived threat, then there's really not, a, do we really need to worry about it at all? No, I mean, there's nothing to it. You know, it's just a what if kind of a thing. So, yeah, in that sense, like, yeah, no. it doesn't even deign yeah. any yeah. sort of Yeah, there's also a study response. recently to go with that, that uh, people that were uh, saying they were anxious, 80% of the things that they worried about or anxious about never happened. Exactly. And then 76% of the people that, that actually went through those 20% mm-hmm. of the remainder Mm-hmm. They actually came through and said, yeah, I needed to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Paul implores them to be of the same mind in the Lord. And this is why the first point, I think, about anxiety is just, biblically speaking, strive for unity. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of our anxiety is relational mm-hmm. anxiety. It, it has to do with our relationships with other people. We're worried about how they're going to respond. We're yeah. worried about like what the reaction here is going to be. And like oh no, this person isn't going to like like me because of this. And hey, as long as there are people, there are going to be people problems. Just practical points here on relational anxiety. Early detection is the best way to prevent it from going nuclear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> problems rarely just go away and get better. The longer an issue is buried away, and you know, the deeper it gets, the harder it is to find a resolution. And in non-essentials, we need to have charity realize people have liberty to make their own decisions and we don't have to agree with everyone on everything Mm -hmm. but in the essentials have unity non-essentials liberty and all things charity people love to debate oftentimes christians aren't any different Mm -hmm. but we are supposed to be different Mm -hmm. should we debate sure if there's an error absolutely you better you better believe it like but our dialogue doesn't need to turn into disunity so Paul doesn't really even go to the debate. He refuses to dignify that with an answer. And his answer is, hey, work it out. I implore you, be of the same mind in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then verses 5 through 8, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So there's humility here. And I can just, I mean, in this church, when they were reading this letter, this letter was read out loud to the Philippian church, I can only imagine how quiet it got when Epaphroditus was reading this and and everybody that was on Eutyches' side was just like <laughs> staring straight ahead and Sinekeet's girls are like over here like, oh no. Uh. But, but no, the point is like, don't take up issues with people if you don't have to. If yeah. you don't take things personally, you're going to have a lot less relational 
anxiety, right? You're not going to be as torn. You're going to understand, like, I can show grace to people. I'm going to keep the main thing the main thing. I'm going to strive for unity here. We have a bigger purpose in life than to take all these these issues personally. People are going to have junk. It's going to happen. But that will, right there, just striving for unity is going to solve a lot of your anxiety problems. But there's more. In verses 4 and 5, he goes on to say, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. So I'm going to say here my next practical point on how you can actually combat anxiety in your life is to rejoice in the Lord. Yes. And again, I say rejoice. In every circumstance, there's two things you can look at. You can look at reasons to complain or reasons to rejoice. You can always complain because there's always going to be a reason for that. There's always, as, as, I mean, right, we have kids. We, we have, oh, yeah. We have financial problems. We have, like, you name it. You wait, I, I have a cough right now that will not go away. Like, there's always <laughs> something I could complain about. But there's also, if you, if you look at it from the other side, there's always something to rejoice about because God is always good. So when our eyes are on the prize, these things that we can turn into mountains, you know, can turn back into the molehills that they are. Mm -hmm. A lot of the things that tear us apart are a molehill that's been made into a mountain. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy for relational problems to escalate into DEFCON 4. Little things are often the source of the biggest problems and they turned into a snowball that just rolled out of control. Mm-hmm. Think about this. This thing that's causing you anxiety, is this really a giant problem? Or is this something that has like over time gone untreated and it's and it's unwound into all these different layers of hurt, you know, and now I'm looking at every dirty look, every single thing that, you know, every silent comment. Uh, you know, or non-comment, just the mm-hmm. silence. And, and you take that and, and, you've, and you've turned it into something bigger than it intended to be. Unity takes a really long time to build, and it doesn't take much time at all to unravel. That's the truth. So that's why the greatest defense to all of this is humility and just the simple rejoicing in the Lord. Re- a preventative focus. The prize is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And when things start to s- unravel, the easy thing to do is just try to patch it or ignore it, just leave it hanging and hoping it goes away. The hard thing to do is to get it all worked out. So remember here, when we're talking about this, unwinding things is easy. Rewinding it is very difficult. Mm-hmm. So this is the process. Rejoice. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known. Don't dig in. Uh, Try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Think about it from their perspective. Be reasonable. The Lord is at hand. So here you go again. Think about Jesus. Jesus is with you. And in that situation, even if it is an abusive situation, you know, you need to get out of that. You need to speak truth. You need to go to some help. But realize Jesus is there for you as well. Uh, He is coming back. And in that stressful unknown, you know, where's the income going to come from? Well, his eyes on the sparrow. He feeds the birds of the air. He clothes the flowers of the field. At the end of the day, he is going to take care of your needs too. So not everything is easy. Not everything that brings anxiety is a minor issue that you need to just lay aside. I also realize right. that. There are some things that you can't just, hey, I'm going to agree in the Lord. And I know some of these things really legitimately are mountains. 
we have genuine worry, genuine drama with injury, job loss, death. There is trouble in this world that is groaning and waiting to be redeemed. This world has fallen. So work that stuff out in relationships, but at the same time, these this apprehension from situations that are dangerous and threatening, Paul gives us another antidote for even that. He goes a step further with his third action point, and this is verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So my third action point here is to pray with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. So, yeah, some of these things, you're being torn. You're in this place of anxiety. You cannot solve it on your own. Mm-hmm. There is sin in this dark, painful world that isn't what it was meant to be. Yeah, right now you're in shambles. Maybe you've made some bad decisions. Maybe somebody else is making some very destructive decisions and it's hurting you. All right. There's still something to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. If you know Jesus Christ, your name's written in the book of life and you're going to you're going to be with him. Sometimes all you can do is rest in the fact that you won't deal with this forever. Mm-hmm. And God is the God of all comfort who is who is there for you. And he's the kind of God that can turn a tragedy into, into something that is a triumph. Yep. So take heart in the truth that he is allowing you to go through this right now, which means he must have some really big plans for you down the road. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, when you have faith and believe that, something supernatural happens, something that surpasses understanding. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind. And we can't just look at this as like some quaint little Bible verse that, oh yeah, it sounds so good that we put on a coffee mug or something. The word guard in the Greek is the idea of protection with a garrison of soldiers. It's like you're in protective custody. So even in the midst of extreme, like we're talking the real mountains of pain, Mm -hmm. You can actually have God guard your heart and your mind. And and I mean, we've probably all seen examples of this where a follower of Jesus is going through an extremely painful situation and they have this calm sense of peace about them. And they they say words that are like just so profound because there's trust there and there's faith in Jesus. That happens because there's been prayer, there's been thanksgiving, they're striving for unity, and gratitude will alter the atmosphere of your heart. You know, as you count your blessings, even what's happening to you right now will be used to open doors in the future. So when you realize God is putting you through this to build you up and use you in a powerful way, you will be emboldened and encouraged by a peace that passes understanding. And the fourth and final way that we wage war on anxiety is found in verses 8 and 9. So I'll read those as well. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So I would say the fourth fourth way that we combat anxiety in our own personal lives is to meditate on truth. 
This is where the war rages. It's in your mind. And I mean, we're in the smack heart of the battlefield right here. You want to overflow with peace. You want to pray with thanksgiving. You want to rejoice in the Lord. You want to strive for unity. It really all starts with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Meditating on truth. Make sure you don't give a key to the devil to the back door of your mind. You know, because our enemy will use our thought life like a Trojan horse to just get in there and sabotage the truth. If you focus on how you've been wronged, it's going to be really hard to focus on on the truth. Mm-hmm. We are in a fallen world. We will be wronged. I mean, you can pay personal trainers to work out, but if you're stuffing your face with donuts, it's not going to matter, right? Yeah. Same thing with the diet of our thought life. You are what you think. If, if you're constantly thinking about how I've been wronged, what happened, this is not fair, those thoughts will take you on a downward spiral. And, I mean, that's, that's where we're at with anxiety for a lot of people. And I think, you know, the biggest part of that, too, is if your thoughts are focused on yourself. Because mm-hmm. I know, especially me, when I've experienced things, you know, it's because that. I'm thinking about what if this happens to me? Everything is me focused. And I think in this culture of self-love and, you know, which is a whole other podcast, we go into that. But (laughs) I mean, it's very much me. What am I getting out of this? How do I feel? And I mean, that's not biblical. We're focused to turn that all back to God. And I know when I've been anxious and I've served somebody else, I mean, that right there in itself is just helps, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. just to get out of that me, me, me mindset. I I love that. Don't listen to yourself. Talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because truth will cast down these these arguments in your head when you're Mm -hmm. preaching truth to your own soul. So if you're you're just listening to every thought about me that comes into my mind, it's very easy to have it just spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. But if you talk to yourself and say, you know, that's what does God say here? What's the truth of God's word say about me? and say about my mission in this life. You can be a coach or you can just be a critic, right? And yeah. if you're just if you're just listening to yourself and, and, and thinking about me in every situation, yeah. you're just gonna turn into a self critic. And you're not like coaching the way you think and, and going back mm-hmm. to the truth. You know, there's two kinds of coaches actually. Like there's degraders and there's there's encouragers, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it's oversimplified, but <laughs> Ben, have you ever had a, a degrader coach or oh. Have you ever had any any of those coaches that just like come yeah. down hard at every moment? Yeah, you know he he degraded us in a way <laughs> that challenged us. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, that's not a yes or no response there. But yeah, I did have a coach, football coach in high school that was well known for being. Oh man, I don't know the word. It's like a drill instructor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was super tough. I mean, I I, um, I remember homecoming game. I was a quarterback and I threw an interception and uh, he pulls me to the sidelines and he asked me, this was not like a whispered tones, but he said, Hey, where's your mom? And I thought that was a, re- a really <laughs> strange response, but this is more like at the top of his voice. Oh, wow. I was like, uh, and I, you know, gestured to her over there and uh, he's like, you want to go sit with her? <laughs> <laughs> so he did stuff like that where it was, you know, yeah. honestly yeah. it was just goofy, but it's like, okay, I get it. Or he'd always be like, hey, we're wearing red. Throw it to the red team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've had coaches like that before too where they literally just call a timeout 
and we all go to the bench, and then he just like goes over and yells at the referee. Rip you apart. He, I mean, or, he doesn't even talk ref. to us. Yeah, yeah he doesn't yeah, even talk ref. to us. Yeah. Just yells at the ref, and <laughs> then he comes over. And he's like, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where there's a certain way to do it that that re- some people respond to the challenge for sure. Not everybody does. Um, well, some of that can also be tough love. You can tough yeah. love yourself. Yeah. You know, like, okay, we're doing it yeah. over it. You know, yeah. like, yeah. you know what I mean? Hey, let's not be soft. Difference. Let's right. step this up. Right. Yeah. There's a difference between, you know, degrading and tough love. For sure. For sure. So not to, not to like, over-elaborate on this and, and, and yeah, go down, yeah. you know, miss, miss the point here. <laughs> but I'm just thinking, with verses 8 and 9, we are being told to think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, pure, lovely, lovely, commendable, excellent. If it's in, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm-hmm. So this isn't just like the power of positive thinking over negative thinking. I mean, sure there's an application there, but like what whatever is going to align your heart and your will in your mind and your emotions to the truth of who God is, those are the things that we need to focus on. You can't control what other people are going to say to you or do to you, but you can control what you choose to meditate on and mm-hmm. focus on. So you're going to have a thousand different things run through your head, but these are the things right here in verse 8, the things that you need to meditate on. Let those other things just run on by. And always come back to, hey, what does God say is true about me? Who who is God here? What what does he what what does he want me to do? You can't let your anxiety be something that controls you. If you think that it's something that can control you, I'm telling you right now, you're giving it too much credit. Yep. You just are. It's not a God. Don't let anxiety rule your life. Let Jesus rule your life. And don't let yourself be a victim of your own anxiety because you don't have to be. You can allow the God of peace to guard your heart and mind. We have four ways here that you can overflow with peace and four specific ways that you can wage war on anxiety. Strive for unity, rejoice in the Lord, pray with thanksgiving, meditate on truth. So it, think, about it, think about this. It's really hard to strive for unity if you're not rejoicing in the Lord right? It's highly unlikely that you're going to be rejoicing in the Lord if you're not praying with thanksgiving. Those things go together as well. And it's basically impossible to pray with thanksgiving if you aren't meditating on the truth. Yep. You see how Paul like just built all of this together? Oh, good. His striving for unity isn't just this button that you turn on. Okay, I'm going to strive for unity now. Like, There's so many other degrees to that. He didn't just stop there with Judea and Syntyche and say, hey, agree in the Lord, girls. Let, let's just just stop it. Yeah. Just stop it. Yeah. And I think that's where, where we're at a lot of times with our anxiety. It was like, oh, I just got to stop it. Uh, there's so many things that God gives us right here in his word that are connected, that they work in harmony. Our mission for the gospel is paramount to our preferences. Think about the fact that if you know Jesus, your name is written in the book of life, that Jesus is near, he's coming again. Think about truth, justice, purity, excellence. Those thoughts are key to victory in your war over anxiety. Now, the physical side, if you if you try all these things, you know, spiritually and you are making incremental steps and still you're just struggling, right? I, I'm sure there are people out here like that are still thinking that. Maybe there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. So I would say here, 
man-made solutions, if you're going to try to go that route, they very often will open up a whole other can of worms. And I mean, we're, this is this is not the time that we're going to go into every last option, but spiritually applying Philippians four to your life, and then also taking care of your physical health, which is connected with the health of your own soul and your mental health, mm-hmm. is where I would start for sure. That doesn't mean that I don't think you should also at sometimes you know, you can have a chemical imbalance for a limited time. Mm-hmm that maybe maybe you need to take something if there's just a straight up chemical imbalance. Like maybe maybe physically you're just not taking care of your body. Mm-hmm. And you can read the Bible and you can sing sing worship music, you can go to church, but your sleep patterns are horrible, maybe maybe your diet is horrible and those things are still like bringing you down. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this, this so so these are factors. I don't I don't want to just ignore that. I even looked up some things that you can eat that actually will help your mental health. Okay, you ready for this? Right, here we go. You ready for this? Uh, salmon, which is very high in omega three yeah, fatty acids. Say omega threes better be in there. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Chamomile has been shown to, to help with anxiety reduction. Mm-hmm. Turmeric, which contains curcumin, uh, it's a compound with antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that can alleviate some anxiety symptoms. Even you're gonna like this one, Amanda. Dark chocolate. Oh yeah. Dark chocolate is on the list. Oh yeah. Yogurt containing all those probiotics. They have a positive effect on brain health and anxiety levels. And then green tea. So. And then of course Karen and I got you with the essentials. Like oh we got yes, that. we got that covered. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You just talk to us. We'll get you hooked up. She. They got you. <laughs> they got you. So yeah, there's things that you can do physically. You know, and in that sense, I mean, God knew we were going to struggle with things on this earth. So he did provide us with things yeah. that will help in those times. I mean, for right. sure, you know. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, if you Google anxiety, it's it's crazy, this stuff. The, the, some of this is just <laughs> ridiculous on how you can figure out if you have an anxiety disorder. And I would just say to that, like, don't just buy into this, like, no. oh, I have an anxiety disorder. Like, do people have disorders? Yeah, but if you pull back the cover on this behemoth of an industry, yeah. just realize it's a money-making machine, and it only diagnoses more and more people. Just step back and think about it. Why would I put myself into this into this situation where I'm being told this is just a physical thing, and it's... And it's just completely divorced from the spiritual relationship that I have with Jesus Christ and everything God's word says. If we're saying this is such a problem now that all these people have these disorders and we have to medicate them, how did people survive for thousands of years without knowing about any of this stuff? So when is it time to actually take medication? I just want to talk briefly about this and and then we're going to keep keep rolling and I I won't be the only one who talks, I promise. (laughs) But if you've done everything you can in Scripture, that's found in Scripture, if you've done everything you can just in, in, in your li- own lifestyle, it, I think it's going to be an extremely rare situation where you don't see improvement. Mm-hmm. So if, if you've done all of that, you will know, right? Like you will know, hey, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm in this place. You know yourself. And the way I would look at it is I know myself better than this professional who's like maybe talked to me for, for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and I know this person prescribes pills all day, so why am I going to take their word for it as gold when I actually know myself? 
And I mean, I know some people may not like me saying that. Mm. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just saying, are you going to hand a mood-altering, lifestyle-changing decision to someone who has a predisposition and who who doesn't know you and doesn't have to face the consequences of that decision, right? Like, it's your body. And I told you this earlier, but I, you know, I just recently was going through some stuff and health-wise and some medications, you know, I mm-hmm. had to take for a little while and... I went to the nurse for a follow-up for one of these, you know, and I told her my goal was to not be on medication. And she literally just laughed at me and said, good luck. Oh, and I mean, it wow. was like, that should be, the yeah. goal. you know, I mean, medication yeah. is, is just the temporary, you know, for your health yeah. in the long term. I mean, that should be the goal. There are, like you said, there are some things where you're going to have to take medication for the rest of your life. And it's just how it is. Right. But things like anxiety shouldn't have to always fall into that. And I mean, I was just like floored that that was just, that's yeah. just the answer. Like, all right, just I know. Know. 32 years old for the rest of your life for all this medication. You know? And that's the world we live in. It's going all the way down to children now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean. It's crazy. Yeah, we could get into we could talk for a long time That'll about this. That'll be another podcast. Yeah, we'll do yeah. a podcast on medication. <laughs> yeah, All Amanda, just yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, of course, you're leery of do- who wouldn't be leery of doing that to themselves. I mean, I of course I'm the guy who who hates taking half an ibuprofen yeah. when I have a headache. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, I, I I'm like I know my body will heal itself. Yeah, yeah. I've got this. If it's not all natural, I'm not usually going to be for it. My mom was a crunchy mom before that was even a thing. I mean, I drank barley green in the 90s. All right, so you can consider the source. I'm not. Yeah. The, I'm not the person who's going to go for medication the first at first choice. I'm not saying it's not always a, a right. thing that you should do, but yeah, like you said, Amanda, don't make it a long term solution. Mm-hmm. That that should not be a long term solution. I can confidently tell you that. Yeah. Um, even the professionals who make a living off this stuff, when you read the fine print, they are they are putting it out there. This medication can make anxiety easier to cope with over time, but it's not a be-all, end-all. Even yeah. they say that. Yeah. It won't make the anxiety order disappear mm-hmm. like an anti-inflammatory may make a headache dissipate. You know, like we're talking about something that's totally different. So can it help ease symptoms, including feelings of irritability, agitation, and hopelessness? so that recovery and feeling can take place. Yes. Yeah, it can happen. This this, you know, this then allows the person to have the space to make necessary changes. Mm-hmm. But again, you know you. And if I'm just reading the Bible, I'm not listening to the modern science mm-hmm. that is still rapidly changing on on all of this. Like I'm going to go with this awesome formula that we see in Philippians 4. The truth that Jesus says. You don't need to have anxiety because I got you. I'm going to go with Philippians 4 that says, God will guard your heart and your mind like a garrison of soldiers around it. Like, that is so much more hopeful than anything we see out there in this world. We hope this has been a helpful conversation for you so far. There's a lot more to come, but we are going to pause it right here and pick it up right where we left off in our next episode. If you are new to the Doxa Dialogue, please like and share this episode with a friend. We have really seen this podcast grow over the last few months, and it's always great to see more people gathered around the table. You are loved.